Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and I would like to welcome you to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy, a podcast that takes a look at stories of life and leadership for smart, amazing women and men like you. The most important thing is showing up. Don't think that you have to bring anything. Bring yourself, show up, and and remain steadfast and be a... If you are in a position of leadership and a position of management, bring women along with you. Supporting women is my passion and my purpose. And talking with other women and men who promote women's leadership is one of my favorite things to do. I've yet to meet a woman who did not know what she really wanted. She was just either afraid to ask the questions or she was afraid of what the answers meant. Their stories connect us and help us to understand that the possibilities are endless if we support each other and lift other women up. Trust is created by persistent identity. I show up as myself time and time and time again. And trust is built. It's one conversation at a time. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and I'm pleased to welcome Katika Roy to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy. I heard Katika speak at the Take the Leads Power Up Conference and could not wait to invite her to share her passion and insights with you. Katika is an award-winning gender economist and former Global 500 Global Executive Programmer and Data Scientist. She founded Pipeline, an award-winning, um, I don't know how to say this, SIAS <laughs> platform that leverages artificial intelligence to identify and drive economic gains through gender equity. Pipeline was named by Time Magazine Best Invention of 2018 and East Coast Companies, East Companies 2020 World Most Innovative Companies. So many awards. Congratulations. Her high-octane visionary articles have been published in top business outlets, including World Economics, Forum, Forbes, Fortune, and Market Watch, to name just a few. Her articles have garnered over 2.0 billion impressions, and her professional awards are equally impressive, and we all know that. Okay, 2017, it goes on and on. It was named as Luminary by the Colorado Technology Association in 2018 as Colorado's Governor's Fellow in 2019, a top 25 most powerful women in the business and awarded the Stevie Enterprise of the Year. Gold Award in 2020, it goes on and on. In 2020, she was named the Colorado Entrepreneur of the Year. Colorado knows you well, don't they? Yeah. In 2022, a LinkedIn top influence to gender equity. She is a member of the Fast Company's Impact Council and Bloomberg's New Economy Forum. And boy, that is a mouthful. And I can get <laughs> to you. Every one of these awards are very, very well deserved. It's so good to talk to you again. And like I said, after listening to you, uh, I thought we're on the same path. You're you're doing it in such a way that you know we we can't do anything until we're we're actually able to show results and be accountable about what we're talking about. And that's what you do: data, science, you know, research, and everything. But we're going to start with something very very important, probably more important than anything that we talk about today. Is yeah. your, is your story? 
Your story is the most important thing because women will look at you. You're beautiful. You're attractive. You're intelligent. You're successful. And they'll say to, to you, and they'll say to you, and probably not say to you, but say to me, she's amazing. But we all know that we've had journeys, trials and tribulations to become who we are. And the person that I'm talking to today, tell me your story. How did you get to be you? And that goes way back to your own family of origin. It does. Uh, you know, there are, uh, how I got to be me, I, there are three parts to that. Um, uh, one is my family history. The second is my place in my family. And then the third is my experience in the workforce. So uh, I am the daughter of an immigrant and a refugee. My mom was born in 1939 on the Isle of Guernsey, which is one of the Channel Isles, the British Channel Isles. And in 1940, when Prime Minister Churchill, uh, or excuse me, when France fell to the German army, Prime Minister Churchill doubted his ability to defend the Channel Isles. And so he evacuated them and he evacuated 5,000 children. And my mom was one of those children. She was 18 months old, the youngest of five kids separated from her siblings and her mother placed into an orphanage and adopted a year later. She would actually never see her birth mother again, and she emigrated to the United States uh, when she was 21 for equality and opportunity. My father uh, was a refugee. He escaped from Hungary after the fall of the 1956 revolution, and he his decision to escape was difficult not only because he'd be risking his life, but also the lives of his three daughters, my three oldest sisters, who were three, seven, and eight at the time. And with the help of Hungarian freedom fighters, they actually, they walked across a minefield, crossed uh, the border into Austria and arrived to a refugee camp. And less than two months into their stay in the refugee camp, President Eisenhower sent Air Force One to bring 21 Hungarian refugees to the US on Christmas day, 1956. And they were on that plane. And so, yeah, and so a, a huge part of, my growing up and also being one of the three children that was born here in the United States was understanding both what had been sacrificed for me to be here, as well as the opportunities that I had because I was born in this country and the responsibility that I have to reach a hand back. That, you know, that that was to do something basically with the opportunities that had been provided for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, the other two parts, which are shorter, <laughs> but <laughs> impacted me, <laughs> where I'm the youngest of six kids, five girls, and all the things that Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg fought for in her career. Uh, so women's ability to have a credit card and get a business loan and all these different things were things that as a little girl, I saw play out in my sister's lives and not only impacting them, but their children. And then the last piece is I'm a breadwinner mom for a family of four who fought to be paid equitably twice and won. Yeah. And that was really how I ended up starting Pipeline because I thought there's got to be a better way for us to reach equity. Um, and that should be through advanced technology. Yeah. Now it's amazing. Uh, you know, you can, you prove it over and over again that gender equity it improves the bottom line. Would you say it, it makes uh, the increase would be what? $3.1 trillion. Oh, <laughs> that, 
just a small amount of money, just a small, yeah. but things have changed, but they haven't changed. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and yeah. And that, and watching your sisters, you know, I mean, I'm a little older than you are and definitely uh, there have been some improvements. Uh, I mean, I, I can sign, I do have a credit card. I can yeah. sign contracts now. I can own property. I can vote. You know, I mean, there are things that, uh, you know, in many countries still cannot have those things. But again, in the United States, I can have those things, which is wonderful. But as far as other things like pay, the pay gap and gender equity in the workplace, we're still single digits as far as CEOs in this country. Yeah. Uh, you know, other countries are surpassing us as far as women's leadership. And you and I both know, we've talked about this, you cannot change the world unless you have a seat at the table, at the big table. That's and, right. You know, we've got elections going on right now, and we know that oftentimes women candidates are not successful in their in their runs for an office because oftentimes they're not supported not only by other women, but they don't have the money and right. the the tenacity or even the strength. I mean, we've seen what major what has happened to major candidates in our country. We know what has happened, but. All right. Well, let's talk about this because pipeline is an amazing uh, artificial intelligence data piece that we all need to look at. Uh, I was reading uh, your uh, summary yesterday. I got through part of it. Again, it was 66 pages, so I didn't quite get through all of it, but I will. But again, you know, you, you really want people to understand one thing and one thing for sure. What is that? The gender equity is a massive economic opportunity. It's not just a social issue. Yeah, absolutely. My my daughter's involved with a world organization, World Solutions, and we've talked about it also, that some of the most important women in the world are the ones that control the, I mean, farmers, for example, mm-hmm. but they don't have the resources and they don't have the land to produce what they need to grow the food. So yeah. we know that if everyone had the resources, especially women, we're problem solvers. We are. We see the big picture and we see the details and we're all about relationships. So this is what we want everyone to know. If we had gender equity, and that means men and women receiving the same pay for jobs that they do and yeah. that everyone succeeds, everybody wins. Wouldn't it be just a wonderful world? And a more prosperous world yeah. and more peaceful, actually. If, it, then why I say more peaceful, and we'll go into the prosperous piece, but why I say more peaceful is actually one of the things that is used as a measure by the by the military, the, the United States military and intelligence organizations as an early marker of instability in countries is girls' education. So girls' education is impacted, uh, that is a predictor of instability in a country. So when I say peaceful, that's what I mean by that. Prosperous in companies, Pipeline actually started with research, and we found that, uh, which we did research across 4,000 companies in 29 countries, and we found that for every 10% increase in intersectional gender equity, so gender plus race and ethnicity and age, there's a 1% to 2% increase in revenue, so it's good for companies. In the United States, as you mentioned, we could add $3.1 trillion to the U.S. economy if we close the gender equity gap. And globally, it's $12 trillion, the opportunity. So it is good for everyone for us to move uh, toward gender equity. But, you know, um, Katika, the research has shown time and time again, companies with women in top leadership positions are more successful. You can look at these companies, but 
I don't think anybody understands. Nobody gets it. We're still very much a patriarchal society. And we're, you know, we, one of the things they did, I, I looked at some research. This is way back a little bit. But they said, which, what, what kind of would you like to work for, a man or a woman boss? And oftentimes people will say a man. For some reason, you know, they're more sufficient. They're more available to be the, the leader. And, you know, we've got to change those things because we, you and I both know the women that we spend time with and, and the community that we're building. I mean, there is so much we can do. But, you know, going back to Women Connect for Good, and I always have to go there because it's over and over again, is if women don't support each other, and that starts with us. Yeah. Well, we, what we can do alone for each other, because right now, women in this country, by the way, hold more money, more wealth than ever. Talk about trillions of dollars. Women in positions such as myself or others have, have the money to control the market and to control what goes on at top levels. But the point is, we don't do it. We're not doing it. Yeah. So that's part of it. We just maximize our, our dollars and we can do anything. Okay, talk about breadwinners, because I think this is extremely important. It goes back to the whole concept of our society and how we view men and women. And, and again, some of those old antiquated thinking. Well, so in the U.S., women are breadwinners in 40% of U.S. households with children under the age of 18. There are actually... 16 million breadwinner moms in the United States, and they support 28 million children. And we did research and found that the breadwinner mom pay gap is the largest gender pay gap for any cohort of women in the workforce is 66 cents on the dollar. And the black breadwinner mom pay gap, they have the largest gender pay gap of any women in the labor force. It's 44 cents on the dollar. And they support the majority of all black children and have for over 30 years. One of the reasons why that exists is because of what, what's called mommy tracking, which is essentially this perception that mothers or even women of childbearing age are less committed to their jobs because they're women, because they're mother, excuse me. Um, and that's actually not true. What the research shows is that working moms, so moms participating in the paid labor force, because all moms work, uh, actually are the most productive employees over the course of their career. And the other piece of why that pay gap exists is because there is the myth of secondary income. This idea that mom's income is just for purses and shoes. It's not for things like housing and healthcare and food and transportation and clothes. And we know that that's not true. And so closing that gap is not only an investment in the labor force today, it's actually an investment in the future labor force or 40% of the future labor force because we know from research that the economic standing of parents is one of the most important factors in determining the future economic standing of their children. Of their children and the, and the world as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you talked about having to deal with two times uh, as far as your pay gap that you yep. also you know, I mean, I, I had two positions also as I was going through the workforce. And of course, one of them was talked about pay. You know, I wasn't going to take the job. But it basically, they almost said to me, your pay is going to be less because you're you're married. 
And then I worked for a large health care system that also basically said the same thing as that. By the, my husband, by the way, was very, uh, our income was good, very good. And basically, based on that, decided that was what I should pay. I had to go through a whole process in the letter. And I know it's still going on. It's going oh, yeah. on over sure. and over again. That, But but again, the, the one thing that's most important, there are more single mothers working that that are the breadwinners and are taking care of their families and need to have equal pay to continue to care for their families. It's just bizarre to me to think that in the year 2022 that we are still struggling with that. But remember, we still only have a single digit in the CEO Fortune 500 companies. And again, that tells me that we're still struggling to to find leadership and find a seat at the table. Yeah, and I would say the power positions at the table. So if you look at the data, women are 58% of all college graduates, 47% of the labor base, and only 8% of Fortune 500 CEOs. And that gap actually starts the number of women in the labor force and Fortune 500 CEOs starts 20 to 25 years earlier with uh, that very first promotion the pattern matching of who looks like a leader, you know, and also uh, women not just being in the C-suite, but actually being in P&L roles, which are roles that actually lead to CEO roles. And there's so much that's tied into that in addition to political representation, because we know, for instance, that being able to seed your own campaign is one of the markers of being successful in political office. Well, if you make more money in the in the workforce, including women, you will be able to f- have the early money in your campaign, which then is a predictor of actually being elected. So equity in the workforce is not only uh, important for economic opportunity, as well as uh, equitable representation. Representation. It's also tied to equitable political representation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, COVID has not done especially women any justice. Mm-mm. In fact, probably COVID was probably harder on women more than any population in the United States, especially because the number of women that left the workforce because of childcare issues, and and again the cost of childcare, and then schools being out that they could not afford to work at, in the jobs that they were working at. And, and again, oftentimes they were, for, they were the first to ask to leave. And so, you know, we've got this workforce of talented women, many who have not returned to the workforce even now. So one of the most important things that we need to do too, uh, Kataka, is get women back to work, but they've got to feel like they're going to get supported, they're going to be paid fairly, and they're going to have the ability to negotiate and move up the ladder of success. And, and so we, we've got to have those guarantees for those women. And those, those are the kinds of companies that need to grow. And right now, if they're doing that, we'll be, be hiring some of the best and most talented women out there. Yeah, so it's interesting, you know, uh, childcare, so there's a couple of pieces of it, childcare and paid, paid caregiver leave, so essentially a funded FMLA <laughs> is important, no question. The two other pieces why women were impacted by COVID-19, one is that they made up the majority of the labor force in the industries and occupations that were most impacted by COVID. The other piece of that is that we leaped forward 
five years in terms of digital acceleration during the pandemic. So the jobs that existed at the beginning of the pandemic are not necessarily the jobs that exist now. And just to talk about sort of what's currently happening in the labor force. So more broadly, we have two jobs open, about two jobs open for every one person looking for a job. That's one piece. The other piece of that is we actually have over a million women missing from the labor force since the beginning of the pandemic. That is, if you control for population as well as labor force participation. So when the Fed is looking, you know, they have the dual mandate of uh, full employment and price stability. <laughs> when they're looking at measures to actually ensure that the economy doesn't overheat, one of the ways to do that is labor supply. And a really important lever to ensure labor supply is to ensure the full participation of women in the paid labor force. And there really hasn't been a concerted effort to ensure that that is happening. And, and if you couple that with the fact that in the inflation rate for goods and services targeted toward women is twice that for goods and services tar targeted toward men, no. that being a woman is a credit risk because we pay higher rates for mortgages and car loans as two examples. And the fact to what you talked about, that women tend to be the last in first out when employers shed jobs, which is what we're seeing. You kind of have almost now this quadru quadruple whammy <laughs> for women. We haven't recovered yet from the pandemic. Inflation has negatively impacted us uh, simply because the rate is higher for us. The measures to try and control inflation have a negative impact on women. And now that's impacting the labor market. So all of this is really an example of the fact that we often assume that our systems are gender neutral and they're not. They're gender ignorant. And that is costing us money. Yeah. Well, we, we, we want to leave people with a positive because they're really, well, still one of the, one of the, sure. well, yeah. one of the fast growing trends still is women owned businesses. The, the thing that women do, which we're very good at doing, we look at the problem in our, in our homes, we look at the problems in our community and we go, Hmm, I can, I can create something. I can do something, you know, and women are taking their passion like you, they're taking their passion and their purpose and making a difference by going out and producing services and products that we need to get past all this and to bring us yeah. to the level where there is gender equity. And so I'm excited about that. I'm excited about your company. But right. so, so what can we do? What, what would you suggest? You are this research expert and you've got the data. So tell us what we need to do. What can we do? Yeah, so there's two things that we can do. One is in the public sphere, one is in corporations. Uh, in the public sphere, we can ensure what's called gender mainstreaming, which is essentially applying the gender lens uh, to every public policy issue to ensure that there are equitable outcomes for men, women, and non-binary where we measure that. Our neighbor to the north, Canada, does this. They call it gender, GBA, gender uh, budget analysis at the federal level. And so we have a model for being able to do that. It's also something when I interviewed President Biden that he committed to during the primaries. So that's one piece. In corporations, uh, which is this is what Pipeline does, we have the ability 
to uh, rather than doing, for instance, like a pay equity audit or these kinds of things, we actually now have technology to ensure that the decisions that we're making are equitable before we actually make them. So what Pipeline does is we're augmented decision-making. So much like you would use Google Maps or Waze to get from point A to point B, we do the very same thing, but for companies, people decisions. And there's five decisions uh, that companies make across their talent, which is internal hiring, so mobility, pay, performance, potential, and promotion. We use technology to to essentially take those decisions, run them through algorithms. And if we find any inequity, we actually make recommendations before they're made. So for instance, things like inequitable pay range, right? So I wouldn't have had to speak up about inequitable pay or ensuring that there's not bias in the text written for a performance review. Like we've found that women's emotional state is more commented on than men's or ensuring that the ratings themselves are calibrated. So equitable performance actually is reflected in those ratings. And just to kind of give a sense for folks listening, the average Fortune 500 company has 60,000 employees. And they make three key decisions across their talent each year, which is performance, potential, and pay. So that's 180,000 opportunities to move toward equity each and every year. That's what we make possible. And it's also why on average, our customers improve equity by 67% in the first three months on the platform. Wow. Well, (laughs) I I have some introductions I would like to make for you because of, of what you're doing. But reading your summary, basically, here's what I picked up. I go straight to the core. Be brave. We've got to be brave and take yeah. action. And then we've got to take action. Don't just sit there and we, we can't muddle it. We have to move forward. If we support each other, anything is possible and serve a greater purpose. And I think that's the whole point is unless we all work together for the common good of, of making this a better world, it's not going to be a better world. Our economy, our our climate, our everything, our health, you know, yeah. we, we would be in such a different place if we all just support each other and we're all at gender equity, equal basis. So, and then of course, the whole thing you're talking about, and I absolutely agree to achieve gender equity in my lifetime, but I don't know that it's going to happen because I think you, you showed one of the, one of the numbers was it, it's down from 130 yeah. years down to 65.1 years. Of, and I don't know if that's the same with COVID, but you know, we, we can't let numbers get in the way. It's one day at a time, and that's what we that's all we can do. But you're you're giving us information. Your company is doing such a value to these corporations and to let us all know that we're you're there are great things going on, and we just need to dwell on those things and keep moving forward. So Katika, congratulations. I, I knew when I listened to you that day at the power conference in Arizona that you would be a remarkable person to talk to. I want us to stay connected. Um, yeah. One of the things that we do, we, we do, I'm a psychologist. So I, I, go, I come from a different basis um, and I have done research too, but not the same kind. But, but basically the most important thing is lifting the spirit and connecting people. That's what, yeah. that's what I do. So we have a Lift Women Up campaign. We, it's 52 weeks of lifting 
and it's men or women. We have to lift, lift each other. And we know when we lift, we, we lift as we rise, we rise other people. When we lift them, we rise with yeah. them. So I would like for you to your company to join the Lift Women Up campaign. And I would love to post articles. And uh, again, I'd like to make a couple of introductions to, uh, to a couple of companies. One that's doing so many things in the world to make it a better place. But I think they would be very, very excited to hear what you have to say. And so uh, I will make that introduction. Congratulations on what you're doing. When when all that happened, your your parents as immigrants, you were meant to be here, girl. You were. Thank you. <laughs> I often say like the two things I was given were my story and my voice, right? Um, those two together, the gift that I was given to bring to bear in the world. Uh, you're, you're making good use of it. There's no doubt about it. Well, I know we'll be in touch. I'm still on the Take the Lead board, not as active as I was before, but I plan to, to stay in touch and let's, let's continue to build our community for gender equity in our lifetimes. Thank you. I look forward to it. You have a wonderful day. Go get yourself something real, real food. I, I will. <laughs> Have a great day. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. If you enjoy these smart, amazing conversations, please subscribe, rate, and review them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And read and enjoy more amazing stories in my books, In This Together, How Successful Women Support Each Other in Work and Life, and Leading Women, 20 influential women share their secrets to leadership, business, and life. Thank you for listening.